This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 21st, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The protests in Hong Kong bring into sharp relief the tensions that have long simmered between mainland China and the relatively free and open Hong Kong. Cato's Doug Bandau, recently returned from Asia, offers some advice for protesters and an assessment of the concessions they can reasonably expect from Beijing. China has been increasingly extending its control over domestic policy in Hong Kong, which runs contrary to the promise when Hong Kong was returned to China back in 1997. And the latest uh, demonstrations were triggered by a proposal for an extradition bill that would effectively allow China to reach into Hong Kong and grab people where it had commercial disputes and particularly political disputes. So it's a real threat to the independence of people in Hong Kong. China, based on some of the uh, propaganda that I've seen coming out of China in in discussing this, it seems that uh, at least as far as they're asking the world to respond or react or think a particular way about this, it seems that they don't really understand what the grievances are. Is that fair? No, China clearly understands the grievances, but they're not going to acknowledge that. I mean, in China itself, we're seeing a very wide-ranging crackdown on independent thought, liberal views, any sense of human rights, those kinds of things. So China is doing this across the board. Hong Kong is merely one piece of it. So to its own people, Hong Kong is arguing that uh, the opposition in Hong Kong is being fomented by uh, foreigners, particularly the United States. A lot of Chinese view these people as being spoiled. They have all these privileges. So China is trying to sell this in its own way. These are rioters. They're a threat to security and stability. So China wants to play this uh, along the lines of its overall policies within China itself. Is there anything but defeat here for uh, people in Hong Kong? Is is there any sense that uh, Hong Kong would be willing to give any kind of concession to the people there? I think the potential concession is to preserve pretty much the civil liberties that they have. The good news is that the demonstrations forced the chief executive as the kind of the leader, essentially effectively appointed by China. Uh, you know, the this chief executive agreed to suspend the legislation that is not move forward on it. That clearly was a victory. And I think likely was a win, you know, for the people of Hong Kong. They won't get what they want in terms of real democracy. And that's an issue that goes back to 2014 in the so-called umbrella protests. There's a real movement there where people understandably want a government responsible to itself, responsive to the people. They don't have that. There's a system where effectively a small you know, kind of group of folks who are, for the most part, loyalist to the uh, People's Republic of China choose people who are going to be voted on. And the uh, turnover agreement, the Chinese agreed to move towards universal suffrage, but but, uh, clearly that's never going to happen. I don't think the people of Hong Kong will get that. I do think that they can hang on to their essentially a a much freer society than the Chinese have, at least for some time. Over the long term, I'm afraid the Chinese are going to continue squeezing, but hopefully that can be put off as long as possible. What do you view as the appropriate response from the United States? Well, certainly the U.S. wants to support, you know, these freedom aspirations of people of Hong Kong, but the U.S. has to be very careful in doing so. 
the Chinese are already arguing that this is being fomented by the U.S. We want to make it very clear this is a local and indigenous protest. These are the people of Hong Kong who are turning out you know, almost two million people in a, a protest and in a population of about seven and a half million. It's extraordinary. These are the Hong Kong people. The U.S. should make clear that if Hong Kong is no longer treated separately, then the U.S. won't allow separate treatment in terms of trade. It's one of the advantages that Hong Kong has, but it's based on the idea that Hong Kong is separate from China. It also makes sense, I think, for the United States to talk to the Europeans and Asian friends, democratic states, what would be a unified response if there's a violent crackdown? And that needs to be communicated, I think, privately to China. The price that it would pay it would almost certainly pay in terms of economic economic sanctions and other things. The U.S. wants to get a unity here where you're working with other countries and present that behind the scenes and make it very clear to Beijing the price would not be worth it. What's going on in Hong Kong, I think, is very important in terms of human rights and human liberty. America's ability directly to affect it is fairly limited, but we could certainly have an influence on Chinese decision making if we came with a unified stance. So President Trump has at least indicated to uh, President Xi of China that he's not going to intervene and and to his you know to his credit on that on that pledge really hasn't said much about this. Well, he did at one point call the protesters their rioters and you know kind of thought that the Chinese had acted you know fairly responsibly. I think that what the president wants to do is say very little, that what he wants to indicate is that, of course, Americans have sympathy for anybody anywhere supporting human liberty. And then in private, he should be talking to uh, you know, President Xi about how this could affect the U.S.-Chinese relationship. These are the kind of places where I think doing it publicly is harmful because it makes it harder for the other side to step back. The Chinese don't want to appear to be pushed around by the U.S., but if the Chinese understand privately that the president is going to have this influence the relationship, whether it be trade issues or other issues, again, they'll have to take that into consideration. I don't think they want to intervene, but we want to reinforce that. We want them to understand that they'd pay a huge price if there's bloodshed in Hong Kong. Uh, the British foreign minister has floated the idea of giving those in Hong Kong citizenship in Great Britain. Well, that I think would be great. I mean, the British have a unique responsibility because Hong Kong was a British colony for you know, basically 99 years. What people in Hong Kong desperately need is an out. That is, if the Chinese renege on their agreement to maintain a relatively free internal system, people of Hong Kong need somewhere to go. A number of them, you know, who had money, especially even after the initial turnover, were able to get citizenship in countries like Canada. A lot of people have looked for alternatives in terms of money and assets. The critical thing here is people. You know, we want the people of Hong Kong to have an option. I think that, that's a very good one. I think the U.S. could join with that. Other countries in the West should make it clear that if there's a real crackdown here, again, bloodshed in the streets, Western countries will open up their borders and take in these people. What is the likely? Is there is there anything beyond those uh, limited statements that indicate that that's a real possibility? I've certainly seen nothing on the American side. Unfortunately, President Trump doesn't seem very favorable when it comes to immigration issues. I think the British here feel much greater responsibility. They negotiated under President, under Prime Minister Thatcher, the, what they call the basic law, the basically the quasi-constitution. They uh, you know, negotiated with the Chinese, the promises the Chinese came up with. So Britain feels a responsibility here, provided 
you know, relative freedom, even though not democracy for the residents of Hong Kong for decades. They don't want to see that experiment, you know, fall apart. So they clearly they're stepping forward. Certainly the EU could come forward. The U.S. should join that. We wouldn't have to take everyone, but it would certainly show Western solidarity to work together on this. What advice do you have for the protesters right now? My main advice to them is to be prudent. When they've resorted to violence themselves, they've hurt themselves. They took over the legislative chamber. There have been some attacks on police. They went after a couple of people they viewed as infiltrators, who it turns out were Chinese citizens. All of these things have lost them some support in Hong Kong and have been used by the Chinese. And I think the greatest danger here is if China looks at this and figures we have to choose democracy, disorder, or a bloody crackdown, let's choose the bloody crackdown. You don't want to goad them into intervention. What the protesters want to do is set very clear goals, know what they want, have realistic objectives, and then push for those, but don't give any excuses to the Chinese. You know, the last thing they want to do is effectively push China to take action. The idea is to keep the Chinese out entirely and keep Hong Kong at least semi-autonomous. It seems that the the best case scenario, if I understand you correctly, is that uh, the people in Hong Kong retain the civil liberties that they have right now and really not anything more. Pretty much, yes. I mean, you know, they have uh, freedom of speech. They have freedom of Internet. The, you know, this is a, a place where the courts are, in fact, independent, you know, where criminal charges. I mean, this is essentially a British system. What you want to do is preserve you know, kind of the Western style you know, rule of law society that they have, which doesn't have political democracy. And that's a tragedy. They deserve it. But the Chinese are not going to give it to them. But I think the point now is to try to keep out all the other Chinese controls. You don't want Hong Kong to turn into Shanghai or Beijing or somewhere else, which is wealthy, but where there's no, uh, you know, it's no political liberty. There's no civil liberties. There's no civil freedoms. Those are the things they really have to work very hard to preserve. They are what make Hong Kong so very different. And they're at risk now. Doug Bandow is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.